you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the big show. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome to the big circus tent in the sky where we bring you the latest minds, the brilliant people, let's see, the billionaires, the White House advisors, you name it. They've been on the show. I mean, just... Every time I do this show, I learn something new, and I hope that my audience does as well. Like, I, there's just so much you learn, and 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 I'll just like I think uh, in the previous show I learned a new term that expanded my mind. And the beautiful thing is, when you're smarter, you get this glow about you, this aura. People go, "My God, that person is sexier," and you're like, "What makes you so sexy and hot?" And it just oozes off you like george clooney and uh i go well i was born that way but uh, for you you're like oh, this is the chris voss show so there you go and uh all the more to recommend it to your family friends and relatives because if you have them good looking and sexy well you know you'll make, make good looking sexy kids i don't know what any of this means but it's our uh it's our shaming tactic that we use to do the plugs go to <laughs> go to youtube.com for says chris voss linkedin.com for says chris voss uh let's see there's the big linkedin newsletter you need must subscribe to that goodreads.com and uh it, we're on that new threads and tiktok and whatever new social media they're starting this week and we'll probably add a business next week uh we have an amazing gentleman on the show he's a ceo he's built his own company and he's going to be talking to us about how he did that how he became an entrepreneur and some of the background everything he does if you're watching on youtube which i highly recommend you do he's a big indiana uh, colts fan uh, of peyton manning and he's got uh a whole plethora of Peyton Manning uh, fandom behind him. So uh, as a Raiders fan, I, I can uh, appreciate uh, Peyton Manning, his love of the game. So we've been having a nice chat about that. So if you get a chance, check out his uh, wonderful thing there. And of course, we're uh, trying to shame and plug you into watching it on YouTube as well. Uh, Craig, Craig Geisler is on the show with us today. He's the CEO of Cherrywood Enterprises. Uh, Cherrywood Enterprises is a national buyer of charged off debt portfolios. I'm going to try to talk to him and charging off my ex-wife's debt. And uh, they work with banks, credit unions, and auto lenders and commercial lenders. Uh, from there, they outsource their portfolios to a network of attorneys nationwide, and they are considered the premier debt buyer. Craig has worked uh, in the debt arena since 2009, have been the CEO of Cherrywood Enterprises since 2012. He's married to his wife, Amy, and they live in West Palm Beach, Florida, and they have four kids. Welcome to the show, Craig. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming. We certainly appreciate it. And with all the uh, Indianapolis Colts uh, football fandom behind you, I, I, hopefully we'll get some business stuff talked about here. We may, it, it, The show might just evolve into football fandom, as it were. Uh, give us your .com so people can find you on the internet. Oh, please. my apologies. It's, uh, it's cherrywoodenterprises.com. There you go. And uh, give us a 30,000 overview of what uh, Cherrywood Enterprises does. So Cherrywood Enterprises works, as you mentioned, with banks, credit unions, auto lenders, and commercial lenders. 
We purchase charged off debt portfolios ranging from credit cards, overdraft and auto deficiencies to commercial charge offs, heavy equipment, you name it, we buy it. There you go. There you go. Uh, so, uh, you guys work with, uh, what did we say? We said banks and all these different things. Now you handle both ends of, uh, both debt buying and debt selling. And, uh, what, what got you down this road? What got you interested in this type of business? Ironically enough, I fell into it. I was a mortgage broker for almost a ah. decade. The, uh, the market tanked here in South Florida. I was looking for something to do and a company that trained me into doing what I do now brought me on board. I was there for three and a half years. Things kind of went sideways with the company and Lo and behold, I, I launched Cherrywood, and it has been an amazing experience. Uh, looking back on it, I just uh, I, I got very lucky, but uh, I think the notion of of hard work and dedication pays off. Worked for me. There you go. And that was an interesting, interesting time. We're very similar in the background. I had a mortgage company for 20 years and, uh, then 2008 came along and said, nah, it's not going to work out. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> no, of our other companies, we own our little empire. Uh, and so you made a nice transition to that. Was that the first time uh, that you become a, uh, self-employed, uh, a gentleman creating your own company and stuff like that? It was, it was, it was a scary venture. And I, I've said it before, I'd say the first two years were the hardest trying to establish the company and the good name um, and obviously getting the word out there to other uh, financial institutions that were, uh, were around and we, we purchased their debt portfolios. And before long, um, as I mentioned, the hard work and dedication paid off and, and uh, you know, more and more of the financial institutions were calling and it, uh, it definitely paid off with just laying the groundwork and, and being consistent and mm -hmm. The biggest thing is answering your phone. I know it sounds silly to say, but as the calls come in, a lot of people get rather lazy and they don't want to take the calls and they don't want to have the five to 10 to 15 minute conversations with the different institutions. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, I mean, that's really how you lay the groundwork is just letting them know your story, who you are, where you came from. You do exist. You're not a fly by night company. And, uh, and you know, just, just doing that on a consistent basis and responding to emails very quickly and, even, um, you know, when the business hours are over, five o'clock does not come for me. It's six, seven, eight, sometimes nine o'clock working with the, uh, the Western uh, U.S. bordered companies. And, and it's just been uh, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been fun and I wouldn't change it for anything. <laughs> what do you think is has uh, helped lead you to success as an entrepreneur? What are some of the uh, tidbits of of uh, maybe, you know, things that stuck out to you and, and it, you felt made you successful? Because, you know, being successful as an entrepreneur is hard, especially in what, uh, you know, that time and era going through a transition like that where you've got to pivot really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it was just a lot of that was consistency. Um, and the, I think the major thing is, doing what you say you are going to do. So if you said you were going to call at three, you better darn well call at three. If you say you're going to have an answer for a company by five o'clock, you better do so. And even if I couldn't, if there was the odd opportunity that I wasn't able to get back to them at the time I scheduled, I at least responded and said, I'm still working on it. I haven't forgotten about you, but I'm going to get you the answer I promised you. And you know, just doing that consistently and, and hard work and making the phone calls and, dare I say, kissing the babies, it, uh, it all paid off. And, of course, the other is going to conferences, meeting people face-to-face, -face, shaking hands, introducing yourself. And I think a big part of being an entrepreneur is, one, you have to be humble. You, mm -hmm. you can't be this, well, I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm 
I'm this guy that you need to talk to and not the other way around. It's, it, it doesn't yeah. work that way. So being humbled, being gracious, kind of letting your story play out to who you are, why you are the way you are. And then again, the consistency with follow-up and, and answering questions and, and just being and learning. And that's the main thing. And, and as you get the questions that are answered, asked of you, if you don't have the answers, don't make one up. I mean, you just look stupid when people find out that you just gave them a, a bunch of crap. So mm-hmm. if you're going to be asked a question that you don't know, the proper response is always, I don't know. Let me research that and I'll get back to you. And then you do. And I think people respect the fact that you're not trying to give them a, a, a boatload of crap, but you're actually a guy that uh, if he doesn't know the answer, will find it for you. There you go. And so having that ability to be a good resource, you, to manage your word, to to stay with your word, stand with your word. You know, there's a lot of flakiness in business nowadays. Um, and then and then entrepreneurism has a tendency to kind of keep you humble. Uh, at least it did for me until I got a big head later in years. But uh, for the early years, it kept me humble when we were still eating humble pie and living on top ramen and all that good stuff. Uh, did you find it was hard to transition from going from, you know, working for, uh, you know, one thing and doing another? And and, uh, and and did you change your leadership styles? Did it give you a challenge in leadership? Yes and no. Um The transition was not hard because I've always said, I think if you're in some type of a sales position, I don't care if it's with Payne Weber or Morgan Stanley or as a server and a bartender, which is what I started off at years and years and years ago, I think everybody should start off as a server because you learn how to read people. If you're selling, you know, your specials and whatnot, how to pitch that to people, what to say, what not to say. And I think it kind of paid off. So in regard of pivoting from one line of work to another, it wasn't that hard because it was still, in all intents and purposes, it was a sales position. I mean, you're just glorified by the title. But again, if you're and, and letting people know that you're out there and what you do, I think that's what plays out. Not so much the title, who you are as a company, but again, going everything that we just talked about before, being consistent and and making sure that you're the guy that people go to when they have questions about your particular career field. There you go. So uh, you guys work with banks, credit unions, auto lenders, and commercial lenders uh, to buy charged off debt, bad debt, I guess. Uh, Do you guys end up being a collection agency or how does that work? Uh, I know you have uh, outsourcing you do with attorneys. Uh Yeah, I don't want to be an agency. There's a lot of (laughs) rules and regulations that are always changing that there's no way. I mean, listen, I give credit to where credit's due. If you own an agency in today's day and age, and you're doing it and you're successful, kudos to you because it's not easy. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly don't have the wherewithal or the patience to be able to do that. So uh, the first thing I've always done is I've always worked with these financial institutions. So um, letting them know that we're buying their charged off debt, it seems kind of easy, right? You know, we're, we're coming mm-hmm. in and we want to give you money and not the other way around where most people are coming to the banks and these financial lenders <laughs> looking for money. I'm not. I'm, I'm there to give you the money. I want to take your bad accounts that stop talking to you, stop taking your phone calls, stop responding to the letters. And, you know, we go back four years. So it seems like, you know, for on the surface, that kind of a pitch, man, this should be. Successful. But with that, they've really, since I'd say 2010, they've really started to regulate not just the collections market, but everything associated with it. Yeah. So with being a debt buyer, there's a bunch of states that require that you're licensed, which you know we are, and we're always transitioning into the new states that are making that a 
law. Uh, and then we always um, are keeping up with compliance. We belong to a couple associations that are fantastic with letting the members know any of the recent changes in what particular states. So coupled with that, um, and getting back to your question, outsourcing is the, the proper way for me to go. The attorneys out there, um, they don't want to say anything or do anything that's going to put not only their good name on the line, but yeah. also, I mean, these guys went to school and they got a bar membership. And yeah. as far as I'm aware, maybe they're out there, but not many attorneys are going to put that at risk to collect a couple thousand dollars. Sure. Yeah. So that makes sense. And then you guys still hold the, you're still holding that in your portfolio, right? So uh, you're yeah. not selling, you're not selling attorney over them just so I understand the model you're using. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we do have attorneys that we work with in certain states that either A, um, we don't have a good track record with B, we don't have a good attorney relationship with, or C, we've got no desire to be in that state um, doing any type of collections. So in that regard, we will sell to them. It's very far and few between, but certainly done. There you go. And what states do you cover or are you licensed in? Do you, do, can you buy and sell in all the states or uh, give us that rundown? Yeah, it's, you know, we purchase nationally. Um with the exception of maybe, you know, two or three different states that I just mm -hmm. we don't have a good track record with, but we're licensed in all the states that do require us to be. Um, there you go. You know, North and South Carolina, I think right now in our industry, they are the ones that are the toughest as far as getting your licensing and what you can and cannot do. So it's not just a matter of purchasing. That's the easy part. It's the aftermath. So you got to be able to know, well, at least the attorneys for us have to know um, once you get what you can do, what you can't do, how to go about getting garnishments if you're going to garnish bank accounts. Um, so it's, it's, it's a big thing to understand. And that's why we work with what I consider the best out there, the best of the best, because they're on top of things. They're going to conferences. They're, they have their compliance people. They're always making sure that they're on top of their state laws, rules, and regs. So there you go. I noticed on your, uh, on the signature, on your email, you, you're involved in a lot of bankers associations and, and, uh, I see the Utah bankers association, Colorado bankers association, uh, and we'll work with a lot of banks in that regard. Yeah, you have to. And again, it's, it's, as I mentioned before, it's creating that, the notion that, that we, you know, we go to the conferences, we like to shake hands and introduce ourselves and let everybody know in those particular bank states, uh, what we do and how we do it. And it shows like yours that uh, certainly increase that word across the United States. Yeah. And I know you have a website or on your website, you have an NDA on there. So yes. if uh, they want to talk to you about their stuff or they can call you, I guess, uh, is that, is that the best way for people to reach out to you that are interested in buying or selling debt? Maybe attorneys look, looking to work with you. Certainly you can go on our website. Um, the NDA I think is crucial it protects everybody's proprietary information. So, sure. you know, you work with Cherry Wood and, you know, a lot of people might want to know how we do what we do and they want to borrow our ideas, thoughts and, and procedures and make it their own, which is mm -hmm. certainly you could. Um, but we'd rather work with companies that uh, are interested in working with us in a, in a up, upward fashion of, of being mm -hmm. um, responsible for what they do both before, during and after the purchasing process. And again, mm -hmm. it's all about creating the relationships with the banks out there and and uh, taking away their their bad portfolios that are making money on. There, there you go. Now, the callback joke on the show for years has been that I have anywhere from seven to eight or to nine, seven nine different ex wives. So, uh, would you be interested in buying some wives, uh, ex wives? 
uh, and they're no, dead. No, I'm just kidding. no, but I thank you for asking. <laughs> no wives, no ex-wives, and they can keep their debt as well. But uh, do I have to yeah. do I have to fill out the NDA to get that uh, considered? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, if you fill that out and get it back to me. I'll, we'll talk. We'll get it back. To you. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, so, uh, you know, you built a successful company and how does it feel to, uh, you know, you're what, uh, you started in 2012. So you're 12, 12 years down the road. Yeah. Is my, I flunked second grade. That's another callback joke of the show. You're doing great. Um, you're doing. Yeah. I'm trying to, I, I'm still, I, I can I can count as long as I still have my fingers. So, uh, how does it feel to be in business this long? You know, one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs go through is, is you know trying to get past what you mentioned that first two year mark where you really struggle and people are like who are you and we are here like who are we <laughs> <laughs> and all that good stuff. What's it feel like to finally reach that point in Pinnacle where you where you know you're successful and you've got the game down? Well, I'm going to borrow from some of the great uh, sports legends out there that huh? once they, they reach what they always say is the pinnacle of success, if you stop and look around, you've already lost it. It just things go so fast in the industry. So I don't, I, I, maybe again, it goes back to my humble beginnings. I don't look at myself as a successful person. I look at myself as someone who's lucky. Um, I got a couple go. of good breaks, but it's mm -hmm. also coming from, I came from Buffalo, New York, which isn't the most uh, exquisite and elaborate city out there that you can think of when you think of, you know, great cities, in the United States. I think it's cold. Was, oh, let me tell you something. But, um, I will say that if you come from humble beginnings and you have to work for everything that you have, every dollar that you have, then, you know, you're, you're ahead of the game. So I don't ever look at myself as a success. I look at myself as somebody who's uh, had a lot of good luck and a lot of good relationships. And I mm -hmm. want to continue to get better. I want to continue to be more successful. And the day that I stop wanting that is a day that I will retire. There you go. And, and, uh, so at, in leadership with your, uh, employees and stuff and the people who work at your firm, what, what sort of style do you think you use with them? How do you, how do you keep honed as a good leader and, and, uh, you know, keep in touch with your, with your employees and keep them motivated? So I think, as I've said before, we always look for in our company for, for leaders. So, mm -hmm. I don't want a yes man. I don't want somebody that's going to do everything that I tell them to. I want somebody that's going to challenge me mm. in my way of thinking because you know, a great leader never thinks that his way is the only way and the best way. It's a foolish leader. I've uh, learned that the hard way. Yeah. You have to look at things as there's other employees that you hire to do their job and they have great ideas. So we're always kind of spitfalling off of each other, trying to hear, you know, another way something or a better way to do something and try to, you know, successfully navigate the widget, if you will. Navigate the widget. I love that. Yeah, I learned a long time ago that I, you know, the CEO of the buck stops here, but, you know, I, I'm not the uh, corner market of all the greatest ideas in the world. I, I've, I've had a few, but uh, for the most part, you know, you need that input from people. And yep. you know, we've had a lot of great military leaders and people from the military that come from uh, our, our great military here in the U.S. And it's interesting how much they teach leadership and they teach small teams. Uh, they teach everyone to be a leader, basically, at all levels. Yep. And so teaching your people leadership and being open to their minds makes all the difference in the world. Uh, what do you what do you uh, go ahead? No, I just scratch my eye. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the uh, what? What are you seeing in the world uh, today? Because I think we're kind of entering possibly another 
uh, probably lots of business for you. The way uh, the economy is going, you know, interest rates going up usually increases with defaults. Uh, I think car sales and repossessions have been going up. I think some housing foreclosures have been going up with interest rates. Uh, you know, we kind of see this ebb and tide with the economy. What are you seeing right now in the in the debt and default business? Well, they keep saying that we're entering a recession, although if you look at some of the economic factors, we haven't seen it yet, right? So, um, you know, we're always hopeful. I don't want to say that I want our nation to uh, go down into the dumps when it comes to our economy, but Mm -hmm. there are certain attributes that we want to see. So, you know, as you mentioned, the auto sales, that's a big part of the marketplace right now. There's a big debate going on with these electric cars and if it's a more beneficial or not so beneficial car for you. Um, mm. I think especially if you look at states like California that have an energy crisis, adding cars that are going to be drawing from that, probably not the best idea. So um, I think that there's still a big market for gas powered vehicles. I think there's a lot of lenders out there that are trying to figure out how to keep people into their loans and elongate their loans and refinance them rather than lose them altogether, which is smart for the lenders. Mm. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to see um, the defaults are going to increase. We're already hearing and seeing that banks and credit unions are having an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, auto lenders are having an issue with that. And surprisingly, and this is why we've entered into the space, I'd say around 2018, is commercial lenders. You get oh. a lot of these companies that are leasing and purchasing heavy equipment and uh, cars for their businesses, vans, semi-trucks. And these guys, you know, the entrepreneurs, unfortunately, aren't making it. And they're left with the equipment that they can turn in and the lender can sell the equipment to make a little bit of money back on that, but there's still that deficiency. So between the auto and commercial, it's a very uh, synonymous sector that you're seeing a lot of the same things, a lot of the growth in in terms of their defaults. Um, And we work with them and we love working with both. And while we try to be empathetic to the fact that they're losing money, at the end of the day, if you're being offered money for an account or a a portfolio of accounts that you're not going to get any money back from, why not sell them, recoup some of your costs and, you know, boost your bottom line so you can go out and continue to do loans and stay afloat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes some money is better than no money. Agreed. You know, especially for the work that it takes to go in and recover it. And you got to focus on what you're, you're good at doing as, as a business. I know there's, there's some interesting things going up in our economy. It's been a weird Sort of like you mentioned, it's not really a recession, um, and and I don't know if we've soft landed or not because there's interesting thing going on. If you understand M one and M two money policy in the Federal Reserve, but uh, I think in October the uh, moratorium from COVID on uh, repayments to people's uh, school loans expires, and they're saying there's some probably some defaults coming down the wire, and you know people aren't people are kind of not used to paying their their student loan payments. And they, they've probably been having a little bit more fun with that money than they maybe should have, maybe buy some cars. And there's a there's a one channel I love watching on TikTok where this accountant guy sits down with the young generation Z and and very uh, young millennial, as I guess at the end of the millennial phase. And uh, I mean, they've got car payments that are like fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars for car payment. Yeah. And there's you know they're fairly young, so they're still not making a lot of money. But even a even for what I'm making, I'm just like that. Better be a you know, happy a pretty expensive, nice car. But they're not. They're just like a Toyota Corolla 2023, yeah. and you know the prices of cars went crazy. They went to like 140 for truck pickup trucks, and you're like, what? 
you know and uh so I, I watch some of their debts and you know they're going out to eat uh five times a day at uber eats you know that's 40 bucks a pop to deliver you a 10 dollar bag from fucking mcdonald's and uh you're just sitting there just going wow and then when you look at the debt crush that's coming from that um but it's been an interesting thing because uh basically what we've had is the baby boomers and late gen extras like me have been moving out of the out of the um retiring early basically with COVID. we're just like fuck it we're out bye and we knew this was going <laughs> to kind of happen but it's happening faster because of COVID, where they just were like oh, yeah, i'm not doing this anymore i don't need to and so because of it uh our job there's a huge glut that's coming into our job market of and that's why we have this weird recession where we have high employment but you know we have all the other factors and it's kind of weird so yeah. but uh there i imagine there's going to be more defaults and debts coming your way as some of these different economic things and there, there's always kind of this cleansing of economies you're always you know up and down and yin. it seems like really hard to just get a smooth one for a long period of time well the funny thing was from i'd say 2020 to 2021 and even probably in the early parts of 2022 everybody was getting their government subsidies and they paying their bills on time. I mean, I can't tell you how many of the banks, credit unions, and auto lenders I was talking to, and they were saying to me, well, our defaults are down because ironically <laughs> enough, everybody's paying their bills. Yeah. And it was, it was tough for companies like myself out there because we weren't getting, when we're normal portfolios we were getting, were between 18 to $25 million worth of charge-offs on a national wow. lender. Now we're looking at, you know, three to 5 million. Wow. And, you know, it was, it was devastating. I hated it. But then now, you know, everything corrects itself within a two to three year time period. And now that everybody's back to work, now they're defaulting on their loans again, and they're not paying the loans that they got from two, three years ago. Lenders are now turning to companies like Cherrywood to sell their charged off loans again. So everything is kind of going back to that cyclical pre-COVID format. And it's great, for for companies like myself maybe not so much for the lenders i've had several conversations with ceos that, that said the same thing and you know yeah. again i try to be empathetic but you know you guys had your two to three years where you were making back a lot of your money and you were getting your payers and everything was great now we're going back to where we should have been and you know going back to our conversation about mortgages you know back in the early 2000s i felt like all these different mortgage lenders were coming out offering these insane loans you know, mm -hmm. no doc loans and, and stated income, stated employment loans, and nobody was checking their finances. They were buying half a million to a million dollar houses with monthly payments that were certainly something they couldn't afford, but the lenders made it easy for people to get into these houses mm -hmm. until it corrected itself. Everybody went back to the conventional, you know, uh, Fannie Mae type mortgages where you put three to 5% down. And now we're back to normal with the mortgage market going to see yeah. the same thing happen in the lenders market where you have the government that's trying to intervene and regulate a lot more with how they're going to lend this money and who they're going to lend it to. And then on the backside of it, when they default, what we can do or not do to the debtors. But at the end of the day, let's look at it like this. You have somebody that went out and bought a car or got a credit card and bought TV and furniture and you know they have a nice house that they live in. And all of a sudden, they defaulted on all of that because, hey, you know what? We got the stuff. What are they going to do? The bank is going to come in and repossess my TV or my couch? No. Oh, my car. But if I put it in my garage, then, you know, I got a half a chance. So with everything, it's coming back to the point where you got to pay your bills. And Damn I don't know. 
with, with people that when you grow up, nobody, I don't know of any parent that said, hey, go out there and try to get as much credit as you possibly can and then don't pay it back and see what happens. Who says yeah. that? <laughs> I don't know. I, there's probably a joke there of XYs and, and uh, marriage, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you got to love it. Uh, but, uh, so what, how do you, you know, people used to, used to ask me, what motivates me to get up every every day and do work? And I always say bills, and they're just like, that's uninspiring, Chris. And I'm like, it's kind of not, really. They come every month. What What motivates you to get up every day and still do the work every day after all these years? these surprising conversations and relationships. So it's funny because I wake up every day and, you know, you may have something on your calendar where you've got two or three different meetings or two or three different uh, phone calls that you have to make or conference calls. And then there's some days you've got nothing. And I'm a big believer in the days that you have nothing, you make something. So whether it's putting out emails, whether it's calling random companies, talking to our marketing department about coming up with new ideas and how we want to send the message across and, and, you know, give me something new, give me a, a new picture, give me something that we haven't used before. And then going to, you know, the attorneys or, you know, sometimes if you work with collection agencies and saying, listen, I'm going to give you incentive. If we can get this threshold for this particular month and cross it, then I want to give your, your collectors or your attorney an additional incentive, you know, it may be financially, it may be a, a nice bottle of wine, it could be a, a restaurant gift card, whatever the case may be. But if you're always looking to do something and increase your, your bottom line in some facet, whether it's something nominal or something big, that's going to change your, your, your daily outlook and what you do and how you do it. That's it. And it's, I can't tell you how many days where you start off and you got a couple of things that are working all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, you get a new company or a new bank and they're ready to move tomorrow. And, you know, you got to get the, your evaluation together. We've got an underwriting team that is phenomenal with taking a look at portfolios, identifying the good, the bad, and the ugly, which unfortunately more often than not, there's more ugly than anything else, but they're great. And um, when without them, Cherrywood wouldn't be the success that it is. The people that I work with wouldn't be the success that it is. And those financial institutions that we've worked with, we wouldn't be anywhere near it. So, you always have to be busy and don't mm-hmm. take a day that's not as busy as a day to go off and goof off. So you have to have, and I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger that said, always be consistent. Now he was talking about consistently going to the gym every single day on days that you don't feel like going to the gym, go to the gym anyway and do something. As long as you're doing something, you're doing better than you were. If you were just to sit in your couch, watch Oprah and your other TV shows, click through the channels and, you know, drink a couple of beers and say, well, it was a slow day today. So that's what I did. Now, there you go. We've got the audience applause coming in. They love that. Uh, you know, I used to have employees say to me, they would come up to me and they'd be like, Hey, you know, it's so good. You finally arrived and you're, you're making, you're successful making some money and you can just kind of sit back on your laurels and ride it out. And what you talk about is no, you got, you got to still hustle. In fact, sometimes you got to hustle even more, the more successful you are. Yep. Yep, you have to maintain. You have to maintain. Once you get a good name established, then it becomes even twice as hard to to keep that. I mean, what they always say is finding a a wife is the hard part, and then keeping them is even harder. So it's the same thing. (laughs) I'm using your your wife uh, dialect there, but it's the same idea with a company. When you're an entrepreneur, you establish and then you reestablish and maintain. And if you do that, 
there's no reason you can't be a success. But if you get lazy and sit back and have others do what you should be doing, shame on you. And it's only going to come back and bite you. You know what? There you go. Uh, so anything more we haven't talked about uh, your company, Cherrywood, how you do it and what you do there? Well, I think uh, the process. So uh, when we work with a bank and they say, okay, we're interested in potentially selling our charged off loans, the mm -hmm. process we've made very, very simple. And in fact, I even hate using the word process because it makes it sound, you know, one of those things where we got to like do a process. million things. Right. So it's um, what we do is obviously the first thing we've touched on was we send out the mutual non-disclosure agreement. Mm -hmm. And then we send over the Excel spreadsheets with the headers of information. And then we've got one of two ways that the financial institution can put the information together. So one, copy and paste, which can be arduous and, and tedious at most. But if you've got an IT group that's phenomenal at it, then more power to you. The other way is they pull it out of their system, different format from what we're looking for, but the same idea, same, um, I guess, the headers of information we're looking for. And then we ask for backup docs for one of the accounts just to review the terms and conditions and arbitration language and anything that's going to allow for attorney fees and court costs. So mm -hmm. once we get the Excel spreadsheet, the sample docs, our uh, underwriting team goes to work and takes us roughly three to five business days to come back with a number we present the number to that financial institution. If they love it, which why wouldn't they? Um, then we draw together a purchase and sale agreement. They sign it, we sign it, and then we fund. So the process, if everybody's on their A game, should take no more than two weeks, oh, wow. 10 days of that. And mm -hmm. we fund quickly. We want that. We want those accounts in here. We want all the backup docs at that point. And we do this consistently, whether it's monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly, biannually, or annually. We want to create that relationship with those financial institutions. Now, since you buy debt, can I just uh, can I just mail you in some of my credit cards? Will that take care of it? No, I'm just kidding. Absolutely, Chris. Anything for you, buddy. That's just I've got a stack over here. We'll just send you a send you the list because uh, well, we'll buy it. But I just want you to know in advance we're going to put it through an attorney. So you may wait. Just... <laughs> oh, well, uh, I'll just keep paying the bills then. I guess. All right, I guess probably a good, good idea. Probably a good idea. I, I was hoping there was a there was an out there, but I guess there's not. Damn it! So yeah, we're gonna again. A, we're gonna hold you to it one way or the other. <laughs> Might as well just I'll just keep those payments going. Well, this has been very insightful and very inspiring. I think for entrepreneurs to give them a vision of how to build good companies, how to be successful, and of course, uh, people who can get in touch with you and and work with you on uh, both sides of the coin of buying and selling and, and collecting debt and all that good stuff. And I know there's a lot of attorneys out there that do that. Uh, give us your last pitch before we go out on uh, doing business with you as we go. It's very simple. If you want to work with a great company, with a great team, that's going to give you great results and do that consistently. There's only one company to work with, Cherrywood Enterprises. There you go. And uh, give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Again, www.cherrywoodenterprises.com. We've also got a LinkedIn page. You can go to Cherrywood. You can go to my own, Craig Geisler on LinkedIn. And uh, we're always looking for new banks, credit unions, auto lenders, and commercial lenders to work with. So let's get in touch. There you go. Thank you very much, Craig, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time. There you go. And thanks, for audience, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com. Join the big 130,000 LinkedIn group over there, uh, the big LinkedIn newsletter. The thing grows like a weed every day. And uh, also go to, uh, what is it, the new Threads app, whatever the hell that is, the TikTok, you know, all the different things on there on the social media. Search for the Chris Foss Show. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to everyone. Be safe, and we'll see you guys next time. And that should have us out.